Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Adi Oladipo here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're here every single Tuesday live on TalkSport to myself and the great Gareth A. Davis. If you can't join us live, remember to subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel. So much other great content there as well, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and even the Mike Tyson story, the boy from Brownsville. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Yeah, we got there in the end. <laughs> if you love your boxing and your MMA, this is the show for you, Fight Night Extra, where we bring you all the latest from the world of combat sports. Joining me today, as always, is the great Gareth A. Davis. Coming up on the show, it's a busy one. We're going to discuss the retirement of Amir Khan, the former world champion, Followed in the footsteps of Kel Brook by hanging up his gloves. We are going to reflect on his career and discuss his impact on British boxing. Huge domestic clash in the light heavyweight division this weekend. Joshua Boatsy takes on Craig Richards. We're going to hear from Joshua Boatsy, the former Olympian who's been speaking with Gareth. And there's a new pound for pound number one. Alexander Usyk has replaced Canelo in the latest Ring Magazine rankings. We'll get stuck into the updated list and give you our own version right here of the world's best pound-for-pound fighters. Plus, we are going to recap a win for Jamel Charlo, which he's in become an undisputed world champion. I'm going to reflect on a difficult night for Michael Benham-Page at Bellator. Don't go anywhere. This is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. are that when the dust settles on this and you look at legacies and who's had the better career and who's fought the better guys and who's done more the answer's always going to be Amir Khan for me. It's over! What a win for Craig Spider-Richards! He has been waiting patiently and he delivers the performance of his career! He done his thing in the amateurs. As a professional I've come in, jumped in deep waters and improved myself time and time and time again so that's why I say to myself as proving myself as a pro looking at my CV being in them tough fights being the underdog 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 being in them 50-50 fights but yeah we're yet to see any fight he's been in where people say this is a 50-50 fight I don't think Josh could win this one I won round one two three and five so I mean if you think that um, besides round four clearly it was him you know and one one five and two is clearly me so uh, I don't know, I guess I guess people want to uh, score, you know, that's why judging is the way it is in our sport. Loads, and I mean loads to get through over the next, what, 54 minutes or so 
Myself and Gary Fade able to try and break down what's happened in boxing and obviously you just heard there from Logan Story. Uh, Storley, apologies, beating Michael Venom Page at Bellator 281. We'll talk about that as well. I do want to kick off, Gareth, with some uh, kind of breaking news here, and that's that Josh Taylor looks like he will stay at 140 pounds rather than a move to 147. A lot of people, um, including Josh himself, said he might go to 147 after that controversial win against Jack Cattrall. He will stay at 140 and defend a lot of his belts against Jose Cepeda. What do you make of Josh staying at 140? Looked like he was struggling to make the weight, or that's what we were led to believe anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you have a performance like that, I don't necessarily believe he wasn't making the weight very well, Addy, and a very good afternoon to you on this very beautiful, sunny May day when I've been cycling, paddleboarding, just stepped out of the shower, and I'm very excited about this show because there's so much <laughs> going on. Now... Now, uh, we're also hearing that WBA are taking the title away from Josh Taylor. And then Josh Taylor Taylor tweeted that I vacated it. Mm. So is he actually undisputed champion at the moment? Not sure he is. Um, I think he's wise to say at 140. I don't think he lives with the very best at, at welterweight. I think he gets beaten by Errol Spence. I think he gets beaten by Terence Crawford. I think he gets beaten by Jaron Ennis who was amazing against Custio Clayton at the weekend as well, proving, I think, you know, I've, I thought Virgil Ortiz was was the real coming force alongside the likes of Conor Ben, but I really do think Boots Ennis is the nuts in that division. I really do. I, I think he showed it again on Saturday night. Mm. Um, I think this. I think that is three... Three fights out of five that Josh Taylor has at welterweight, he loses in my view. Agreed. You know, because he cannot, he cannot. He might beat your Danny Garcias. He might beat your Connor Benz. He, he probably would have beaten your Cal Brooks. That was a good fight for me before Cal decided to retire. Um, but I just don't. I think he likes to get too involved in a scrap to really weather the storm at welterweight. I don't think he's as um, robust as Terence Crawford. I just don't. Um, but you look on the run he's gone, and I know we're going to talk about the pound for pound list. I do think he belongs up there. But um, yeah, very, very interesting news. Very interesting news indeed. Indeed, it was. Uh, big fights on, on the weekend. Loads of so much boxing. I've not caught up with everything. Yeah. It was almost too much. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I'm complaining about that. But one of the big ones was Jamal Charlo versus Brian Castano, a rematch of that fight, which ended controversially, some say, in a draw at the time. Uh, Charlo obviously set out to kind of prove that that was just almost a one-off, and in the end, he did, stopping Castano, um, and then now becoming undisputed in the division, which for me puts him on the pound-for-pound list as well. Um, Good win for Charlo. Um, I think now, personally, he should go up to 160. Uh, There are still good fights for him at 154. Tim Zhu is one. But I think it's, it's time now. You clean up a division... Go up, and this is what you can do with the big boys at 160. Yeah, it's a very good call. I think, look, it's it's um it's a fantastic time for undisputed. You know, we got yeah. undisputed at super middleweight with Canelo. We got, as uh, I say, Jamel Charlo now undisputed at light middle. I call it light middle. Got Josh Taylor, I think, undisputed at super lightweight or light welterweight. Uh, this next weekend or a couple of weekends time, we've got the undisputed between George Cambosos Jr. and Devin Haney at lightweight. Shaka Stevenson's cleaning up at super featherweight. Um, we may get um, a heavyweight undisputed unification 
uh, by the end of the year. It's, it's brilliant, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can chuck in you know? Bivol as well. Bivol wants to win a Bivol, of Joe Bivol, Smith. Bivol, yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah. and that's on the way as well. I've written, I've got that a note this year. That that could happen this year as well at uh, light heavyweight as well. So, you know, boxing starting to create an age of undisputed champions. And I think this is the thing that the wider world has criticised, the mixed martial arts world has criticised boxing about for a long time, that the world doesn't know who the world champions are. <laughs> There's like seven or eight divisions out of, I know there's 17, seven or eight divisions here where, uh, weight divisions, where we might have one king in the division, at least for a little while. So um, boxing's getting its act together. And it, it's a really good thing to see, if I'm all honest. I don't know about the step up to middleweight yet for Charlo. I just stay there. Mm. I just stay there and just bloody dominate a 154. He's the perfect size for it. He's got everything. That sequel, by the way, with Castaño, a lot of sequels don't live up to their billing. Yeah. Um, the trilogy sometimes does and, and often does, but that really lived up to great billing. It was a brilliant fight. There were so many great qualities shown by both men. And obviously Charlo got the definitive finish as well uh, with that 10th round stoppage. Uh, really brilliant performance. Um I really rate the Charlo brothers. They, they are something very, very special. And it's great to see him uh, become the undisputed champion, Eddie. It certainly is. He said after, it's now up to his brother, Jamal. Um, and I'm happy you said Jamal, Jamal, because that's always confusing yeah. for people. But it's now up to Jamal to do his business because he said Texas is already doing it. He's done it. Errol Spence has done it. Now it's Jamal's time. Uh, at the end of the year to kind of do his business as well in the 160 division. So we'll see what Jamal Charlo can do. Um, we, we spoke uh, about Kelbrook announcing his retirement and we said, look, you're probably going to get a call soon from Amir announcing his. I don't know if the call came, but and that, Amir did announce his retirement a couple of days ago. Um, it's been a fantastic career as well. Look, we're we're going to wax lyrical about his career a bit later, but just try and summarise it if you can, Gareth, from being a 17-year-old Olympian, winning Olympic silver medals, all those fights at 135, 140, 147, middleweight fight against Canelo. What an amazing career, Amir Khan's had. Yeah, so you just summarised it pretty well yourself there. Um, you know, um, you know, I've got some lovely quotes from Amy. I looked down the, the interviews. It was last Friday he announced his retirement, of course. Mm. He had a little press conference yesterday. I wrote about it over the weekend. Had a lot of time to think about it. Went over some of the interviews. I'll, I'll read out some of the quotes from him that are very salient, very germane about his career. 17-year-old uh, silver medalist against Mario Kindelan, who was a man at the time, brilliant Cuban boxer. Um, his father, Shah, in the Union Jack waistcoat. The first very prominent Pakistani Muslim sportsman in our in our country yeah. and yeah. in our community did has done brilliant things. Um, like you say, he's fought all the way from lightweight all the way up to middleweight. Middleweight was a step too far. Um, earned huge riches. Still stayed relevant for ten years, even after being a world champion. Hadn't been a, cha- a world champion for, for for a decade, but still relevant. Fast flashing fists, some of the fastest hands we've ever seen, lightning hand speed, um, very vulnerable around the whiskers, but but also gung-ho warrior spirit. 
great legacy inside and outside the ring. Celebrity, get me out of here. Yes, he yes. was a mummy's boy. Yes, he was. He was, he was a, I, I remember he, he spent time in the masterful shadow of Manny Pacquiao and Freddie Roach in the wildcard gym. He went to America. He conquered America, which a lot of British boxers haven't been able to go very close to fighting Floyd Mayweather, but maybe made a few politically wrong moves. Um, as I say, when he went on, to, I remember doing an interview with him where he said his mother used to, he's a mummy's boy. He's always been a mummy's boy, he said, because my mummy clears the spiders out of my bedroom. And and then when we got to see him in the jungle with him disclosing that he didn't know what it was all about, he got to delight the nation, whatever he was doing, eating kangaroos' testicles and yeah. uh, climbing through rats' holes and spiders' nests. and and But everybody saw in 2016 on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, I think as we saw with his wife, Farial, in that home with the Khans, He's not got a bad bone in his body. He's a lovely man. The incident with Ian, I can't remember his surname, that Ian and the strawberries, and mm. when they nicked the strawberries in the jungle <laughs> yeah, and yeah. had loads of fun. I can't remember. Ian, the comedian, he's been on Talk Sport, I think, Talk Radio. I uh, can't remember his surname, but great, great guy. And and it was brilliant. He he, he just had a brilliant career. And, and you know, unfortunately, he fought Calbrook too late in his career. He didn't have a lot left. His legs had gone. But um, legacy, amazing. I'll read out some of the great quotes from him, what he's been through in that career. Um, but yeah, we have to celebrate it. And I do think with Kel announcing it a week earlier and I'm here last Friday, it just it's the beginning of all those guys, Addy, in the mid-30s now who will start to call time on their careers. And I'll tell you what, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, all those other guys, you know, they're, they're not, not far, far away. I'm they're not you. far they're behind. Not, no. They're not far behind. All this, all, all this, them. Anthony Joshua, I'll box till I'm forty. Nonsense. Poppy, poppy car. Nonsense, nonsense. I, I'm with you, Dillian White. Yeah, yeah. White. should do it now, but Chisora's going to yes. continue. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, Dillian right. White will go on till his late thirties. Now he'll keep going. He's one of those. He's mm-hmm. like Chisora. He'll keep fighting and they'll keep fighting the youngsters. But we, 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 we are at a, a, a kind of. An era of changing time, in my view, that the paradigm will shift. It certainly will. We're going to hear, you're going to read out some of those Amir Khan quotes a a bit later. Uh, Finally, um, we are going to hear from Joshua Boetsy. We know you you spoke of him, but I mean, I love a domestic dust-up. I love the big international ones, but sometimes the domestic dust-ups, you can't beat him. And the light heavyweight division is probably the deepest division we've got in this country alongside the heavyweights. And we've got two of the best going to duke it out May 21st, O2 Arena uh, this Saturday. Should be a good one. Joshua Boatsy versus Craig Richards. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it, 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 there's, there's comparisons here, I think, in British boxing history. This reminds me, in some ways, of 11 years ago, 12 years ago, um, when, uh, was 30, what is it, 11 years ago, when George Groves and James DeGale ah, met yeah. for the British Commonwealth, um, British and Commonwealth super middleweight titles. Um, I know that Craig Richards has fought Dimitri Bivol for a world title uh, last year, but it just reminds me of that kind of state, snakes and ladders moment, crossroads moment with Joshua Boatze and Craig Richards. So much on the line that, that neither men, neither of these two men can afford to lose. And both of them are desperate to win. And I think it will create a titanic struggle that will go 12 rounds, that will be a classic that will really stretch both men. And I am so looking forward to it. I slightly favour Joshua Boatze. We can go into that a little bit more in a while. But, you know, look at what Craig Richards did. I know it's odious to do this with Dimitri Bivol when he challenged him. 
you just make those comparisons. You think how good Dimitri Bivol yeah. was against Canelo. It just raises the stakes a little bit for Craig, for the spider a little bit more. Very enticing fight. Two, one fight, two fighters of a series of fights. You and I have banged on about this for probably six months, Eddie, that should also involve Callum Johnson, Callum Smith, Dan Aziz, Anthony Yard, and also Lyndon Arthur. And of course, young Ben Whitaker, who I spoke to late last week, has just turned pro as well, the silver medalist from the Tokyo Olympics. He'll catch those guys up in 18 months' time. And we are going to see some phenomenal fights at 175 in the UK. We certainly will. All right, you are listening to Fighter Extra on TalkSport 2. Look, still to come, we are going to be hearing from Joshua Boatsy, head of his fight, massive fight with Craig Richards this weekend. And we'll get our very own version of the pound-for-pound pound rankings as well in response to the latest ones by The Ring magazine. But next up, we are going to talk Amir Khan after he confirmed his retirement from boxing. <laughs> Yeah, Amir Khan announced his retirement from boxing last week, Friday, a career that started way back in 2005, obviously coming off the Athens 2004 Olympics with that silver medal. Um, it's an incredible career, anything, like 2005 to 2022. Although I think it's fair to say, Gareth, the last four, four or five years, he's been at best, at best, a part-time boxer, but nonetheless... It's still a 17-year pro career. I'm going to put you on the spot, Gareth. Best win. Amir Khan, best win. Um, I reckon it's between Marcos Maidana and Devin Alexander. Okay. My view. Okay. So Next certainly one. the best performance was mm. Devin Alexander. Agreed. Agreed. Next one. Best version of Amir Khan. That version as a welterweight against Devin Alexander and Louis Colazzo, or the version of Amir Khan that beat Marcus Maidana, Zab Judah, and I thought really beat um, uh, Lamont Peterson as well. So two versions, yeah, one at yeah. 140 and one at 147. What's the best version of Amir Khan? That early version. Yeah. That, 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 but, but he was faultless against Devin Alexander that night. That was the weird thing. But the flashing lightning fists that destroyed, um, that won his light welterweight title, and then he went on that run yeah. all the way up to Zab Judah. And I remember that in the Mandalay Bay event somewhere. He was very dirty against Zab Judah that night. The low blows, was it? Um, yeah, and what he came through against Marcos Maidana. <laughs> and then he went into... I agree, he beat Lamont Peterson by a round. There's no question about it. He was very unlucky. But they went into um, Peterson's hometown where he's a hero, where he brought his brother and his sister up on the back of Greyhound buses. And, like, weird things happen in boxing. Um, he got found out a little bit by Danny Garcia and his chin was starting to go a little bit by then. People have worked out to punch with him. And I think the big thing with Amir is that around that time, he didn't he didn't um, begin to change defensively, never really learned to fight off the ropes. And mm. Because he, he, he had this style where he, he could not go backwards. He was just about all out aggression and war and excitement, you know, and you couldn't, he couldn't, fight any other way and that was him it was in him the Pathan warrior within him from from that heritage in, in, in Pakistan you know from Lahore where his family's from it's just in him you are fight, correct die, you know 
It's so correct. I'm, it, you just made me kind of just try and go through my memory bank. I've, I don't think I've ever seen Khan fight on the back foot. Like, just can't mm. do it. Fight off the ropes. It's just not him. It, it's, it's only mm. one way. And that one way is forward. I was speaking to Tony Bellew about it. And Tony Bellew, who, who was part of the, the Team GP and Team England with Amir Khan way back in the day, he says he just remembers Amir Khan as being the fastest thing he's ever seen. He didn't even yeah. say boxer, just thing. Like, I've never seen hand speed that quick in my life. Mm. And you know who makes similar shapes? Katie Taylor makes very similar shapes when she fights, you know. Mm. It's quite interesting. And you've got to think about it. I'm going to take you back before his pro career as well. Um, you know, th- he had those um, two or three years at 16, 17, when he won uh, the Junior Olympic Games in 2003, the European Student Games in 2004, the World Junior Championships in Jeju in at lightweight in 2004 as well. And if you, not a lot of people remember this. When he was 17, the GB team did not want to pick him to go to Athens. And um, he was he was due to, he was going to go and box for Pakistan mm. for his opportunity to box the Olympics. If you remember, his brother Haroon did box for Pakistan yep. at the Olympics. So, um, you know, we got him. We got him and he, he did amazing things. You know, uh, 40 fights, 34 wins. I always said Amir would have about 30 wins and six losses because that was his style. He made millions and millions of pounds. He's a megastar. He crossed over into several communities. He's got a massive following in, in, I call it the subcontinent. I don't know if you're meant to call it that anymore, but India and Pakistan and in the Middle East, got massive following. He's very well known in America. He's done brilliant charity work. Like I said, I mean, there's a couple of quotes here I've got from Amir. I went, I went through them when I wrote a tribute to his career last week for The Telegraph. And he said, and this is really interesting, he said, you get hate the day you become famous. The day you don't get hate, you're finished. I've been getting hate from the day I made it into the newspapers for the first time. He told me this, he told me this a couple of years ago. The day I won the Olympic medal, it started. I never let it get to me. And I never think it's a religious or a colour thing. I just go with the flow. Because you go to any of my fights, and, I don't, and I'm saying this as Amir's words, most of the people who buy my tickets are British and white. I respect that. I live in a world where there's a lot of racial issues, but in England, I, look, I get looked after and have a great relationship with English people. That, for me, is a part of Amir Khan's legacy. Um, you know, I wouldn't have written it that way, but from his perspective, it's absolutely amazing. And here's the other one that I'll read to you. I never put a date on retiring, but I always said I wanted to retire at 28. Oh, wow. But honestly, it's difficult when you're paid so well. I love the sport. It's a great <laughs> lifestyle, and I'll miss it. I'm thinking when I leave the game, I'm going to miss coming to training camps, living this peaceful life, life training hard and getting in shape. And also, I want my children... He just later said, I want them to see me as a world champion. He never achieved that after his children were born. But I just think it's a life well lived he's had. Yeah. And he's only 35, you yeah. know? And he does so um, much outside of boxing, which I always so think is important so for much. sports stars in general. Like, yeah. those ones that I feel like might struggle are ones that just don't have nothing apart from the sport they do. As Ame Khan does so much. You mentioned TV shows of his wife. He does so much charity work as well. So Amir Khan will be okay. He will. Let's hear from Conor Ben, who was full of praise and respect for both Kelbrook and Amir Khan and their decision to retire. And that's their careers as a whole. Listen, I was the only fight there for them both yeah, if they yeah. did want to fight. Correct. But, you know, people saying, oh, they're ducking me and all that. And they're not ducking me. 
I, they don't, maybe they don't want to fight me, yeah, but they're not ducking me. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not going to go around and claim like, oh yeah, no, nah, they're ducking me. It's not nothing like that. But would they want to fight me now? They have everything to to lose and not really much to gain. Mm. Um, you know, so listen, they've achieved everything they wanted to in the sport of boxing. Every young fighter can dream of achieving. So listen, take my hats off to them, and um, you know, they're the best of, of this era in terms of of their era of uh, British worldweight boxing. Yeah, look, um, Conor Ben giving his respect, speaking to Gareth and Barry Jones on Saturday night. And look, nice for him to give his respect as well because he, he desperately wanted the Kell Brook fight, not so much the Amir Khan fight. I was doing that ring interview and it was just, I don't know why they asked Amir Khan to come in the ring. It was quite strange, but he definitely yeah. wanted the Kell Brook <laughs> fight. Yeah, very strange. I was like, What's, what, what are they doing? You put me on the spot here. This is silly. Um, but he definitely wanted the Kell Brook fight. But look, that's their era. He has to start his own journey and he needs the big fights. So I think even... Even Amir Khan mentioned Conor Ben, didn't he, recently? He said, look, Conor Ben could be the next pound-for-pound pound star, but maybe Eddie needs to kind of just let him off the leash a bit. And, like, you know, when I was coming through and he mentioned a few names, I took the risk with Marcus Maidana. And it's interesting. Amir Khan did take those risks, didn't he, throughout his career. Some good, some bad, but he took risks nonetheless. Look, 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 look what, what a terror. You only have to compare what Maidana did in the first six rounds of his first fight with Floyd Mayweather. I gave him hell on the ropes six rounds. Mm. Um to see what Amir Khan went through. He was brilliant at that stage. I was there live on that night. And the 10th or 11th round, Maidana hits him in about 35 shots. And he still survived. He stayed on his feet, showed his cojones. He was still bleeding, peeing blood the next day, as he was against Terence Crawford. The absolute warrior. And, and a guy who I will, whose career I will always treasure. That I followed it from beginning to end. Absolute pleasure. Nothing will shock me. Nothing at all. Ruiz AJ shocked me I still have nightmares about Ruiz AJ I promise you I do but I remember exactly where I was and no doubt you might have been ringside when Bradis Prescott knocked out Ame Khan I remember I was at a nightclub called Faces in Gantz Hill and it started reverberating around the nightclub obviously Ame Khan was a superstar and it was Ame Khan's been knocked out Ame Khan's been I was like whatever I know and when I went home and watched it still to this day it's one of the biggest shocks for me Obviously, no one done their due diligence on Brady's Prescott because that's what he does to people. Yeah. But it but, was the biggest shock. But, but if you remember, Amir had changed trainers for that fight. Yes. He he went tearing out in a straight line right into Brady's Prescott. He could have outboxed the guy easily. I was actually sitting in a bar in Barbados that day um, watching it with Ron Lewis, who was with the Times at the time, because we were on a on a press junket to the newly opened ground in Barbados at the beginning of the World Cup where I was interviewing, I think, Wes Hall and Viv Richards on that trip. But it was uh, it was a complete shock to the system. I remember our mouths wide open. <laughs> yes. uh, learning I that remember he'd Frank lost. Warren <laughs> ringside, like nearly having a heart attack. Yeah. Like, what is this? Yeah, but he, but he ran straight out, didn't he? Yeah. In a straight line at Bradish Prescott. He didn't do that again. He no. didn't do that again. He learned from it. He really did. All right, you are listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we are going to give you our own version of the Pound for Pound list in response to the latest one by The Ring magazine. But next up, we're going to hear from Joshua Boatsy ahead of East Clash with Craig Richards this weekend. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In the 11th round, Joshua Brassi has come through. The fight that was billed as the test of his career. It proved to be the test of his career. There's been a good reception about it, which is good. Good opponent. Let's see how it, how it, you know, it, it folds up. It's over. What a win for Craig Spider Richards. He has been waiting patiently, and he delivers the performance of his career. Welcome back to Final Extra with myself, Adi Oladipo, Gareth A. Davis. Huge domestic fight this weekend in the O2. Joshua Boatsy takes on Craig Richards. Let's hear from Joshua Boatsy now. He spoke with Gareth A. Davis and was asked just how big this fight is. There's been a good reception about it, which is good. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's an opponent that people are like, yeah, good opponent. Boatsy, good opponent. Let's see how it, how it you know, it, it folds up. So I'm looking forward to it, Gareth, you know. Um, it's a good challenge, and I'm open to challenges, so it'll be a good scrap. And, and the other thing about it is, since the weekend, Craig's performance against Bivol is is in more perspective. Um, I talk, spoke to Craig about that probably um, a week and a half ago, uh, going into the Bivol-Canelo fight. Um, and, you know... He put up a pretty good show against Bivol, um, kind of an early chance for a world title. Um, we know what you can do. We know that we're highly critical of you. It's so incredible. I even <laughs> I find myself being highly critical of you, and yet you haven't put a foot wrong. It's quite interesting, isn't it? We have very high expectations of you. You must feel that from everyone. No, there's high expectations everywhere, Gareth, and there's, and there's pressure, but I've always said that the pressure from the outside is not greater than the one that I put on myself. So I, I, I end up controlling the pressures. And, and I think even in the face of with Spider, I was saying that the media stuff, I log out of it. I, I might see what a few are saying, but for what the masses are saying, it's irrelevant, you know? And, and that's how I managed to stay in my own lane, keep my sanity, do, do what I got to do and live my normal life. You know, it's, it's it's cool, like it's nice, you know. But yeah, there's, there's there's expectations everywhere. But keep winning, keep putting my foot at the right places. And that's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, for one's own, like you say, sanity or mental health, as they call it, mental well-being these days, you just don't want um, this strain, this this super highway of, you know, from idiocy to clever views on on it all. There's, it just doesn't doesn't do anything, does it? At the end no. of the day, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. 
stubborn. You gotta stay in your own lane, guy. And they say mm. stay in your own lane. There's no traffic. Why? Because it's your own. <laughs> it's just breeze through. You cruise in it. But yeah, man, that is it's a big fight. That I'm looking forward to um, an important fight, as I as I've said many times now. And uh, we're just over a week away, so we're almost there. Have you got to be busier than you usually are? Have you got to be the best, Joshua Boatzi? Have you got to take it to him? I mean, the styles is a very interesting matchup. You're both very languid in the way you fight. Um, you both have gears. You're both big men at 175 and naturally big men who are not boiling down in weight. He might have to boil a little bit more than you, I think, maybe a little bit, but it's so intriguing. That's what's so great about it. And, you know, it... It's just fascinating from a purist perspective. It's a fascinating fight. Yeah, I mean, to, to answer that, you're right. There's there's so many questions. What style do I come out with? What style does he come out with? Am I going to box? Is he going to box? Yeah. Is he going to fight? And, and I think that's why we all love boxing, because we can make all these assumptions, but we never know until the bell goes. But I, as I say, Gareth, whatever style I need to present to win, that's what I'm going to have to do, you know, and, and, and I've covered all kinds of styles, but, you know, I, I know what I have to do to win, you know, and, and I've prepared very hard for it. And on 21st, that's what we look to do um, to make sure we get the win. The unbeaten Joshua Waxy there speaking to Gareth A. Davis earlier in the week. Um, I, you know, it's interesting what you said there, Josh, uh, sorry, Gareth, about everyone being highly critical of, of Waxy. And you even admitted to yourself that you are. I am yeah. as well. Maybe just because I expected, I don't know what I expected actually. I, I, coming off the Olympics and you know watching his first few fights, I had thought he would be a world champion or at least fighting for world titles now. Um, the thing is about he's so talented, he's so tough, he's so the right weight at one hundred and seventy-five pounds. He has to cut so little weight. He stays on weight. He lives so well, but it's just been a very slow career. Mm. And like you say, he hasn't put a foot wrong. And yet, we find ourselves wanting so much from him that it's hard not to be critical of him. This is the, the, the benchmark test for him, I think. And I think he'll come through it. He always finds a way to win. Um, and I think because we think that about Boatsy, it, it's going to get the best out of him. And, and, I, and I do think it's time for him to have these really big fights now. I think Richard is a really big fight for him. Yeah, Richards is, and Richard's stock's gone up without him having to do anything in the last week just because of that Bivol performance against Canelo. Bivol looked fantastic, and we mm. rewind you know, our minds back a year and a bit ago when Bivol fought Craig Richards, and Biv Craig Richards you know, caused Bivol some problems. So surely, I mean, if Richards needed that extra bit of confidence going into the, you know, what is, I think, even though he fought for a world title, the biggest fight of his career this Saturday, surely he gives, that gives him that extra 5% maybe he might need to get the job done. Yeah, I mean, I think there's less jeopardy. I think I think before Dimitri Bivol and Saul Canelo Alvarez fought, there were you know Eddie Hearn had put it out there. Um, Eddie Hearn had put it out there that the winner of this could well fight um, Canelo mm. in the UK in December, maybe at an O2 arena or an indoor arena like Cardiff, if it was big enough. Um, and we don't know if that fight's on now, and we haven't really discussed this at length, but. Um, I, I, and we don't know yet what's going to happen, whether 
Canelo will fight Bivol at 168 pounds just for the WBA title at 168 pounds because the three other sanctioning bodies have still got um, sanctions in place against Russian and Belarusian boxers because of the Russian invasion, Putin invasion of of Ukraine. Um, I think Canelo will ultimately decide that he'll face some Golovkin next because yeah. it's such a massive fight in Las Vegas. I think that fight will come off. And then he may fa- fancy a fight with with a with a with a Craig Richards or a, or a, or a Joshua Boetsy in the UK certainly due a British fight and Eddie Hearn's working on that but um, still a massive fight for both men because that you know Joshua Boetsy wins this and there'll be an appetite for him to meet maybe Anthony Yard that will resonate yeah I think so I think Yard is the right guy next and you know as you rightly mentioned earlier on in the show and you know when we're talking about undisputed champions you know it looks like the light heavyweight division will have an undisputed champion by the end of the year as well i mean you know bivol bivol should really face the winner of baturbiev and joe smith arta baturbiev and joe smith who are due to fight soon so you know it's it's there's a lot of jeopardy there's a lot of opportunities but i think while that world level uh scenario is playing out these British guys are going to sort out a packing order. And this is the first of those big fights. And it is really big. It, it's, it's big domestically and it, and it will grow as the week goes on. It hasn't resonated in the massive sports world that we have the landscape, the, you know, the premier leagues coming to a, um, to a close at the moment, isn't it? The, 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 the football, you know, with the final games. And so that all the focus is on that, but I think it's a good weekend to have it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it'll be an amazing atmosphere in there in the O2 Arena on Saturday night. Yeah, it goes on to show how big the light heavyweight division is or how deep it is, where normally this would be a case of, OK, the winner of this is number one in the division. But they won't be. They won't be. Because no. you, you mentioned Anthony Yard. You have to chuck Callum Johnson in there. Yeah. Dan Aziz always gets annoyed when his name's not bought up. And Callum Smith's yeah. in a division. And look, I'm upset that Anthony Yard won't be ringside for it. I, I know he's in Jamaica at the moment, so he's definitely not going to fly back from Jamaica to London, is he, for, for this. But I'd love to have seen him ringside. And although... Yeah. Although it's difficult to make fights between Frank and Eddie, it's a fight where, the, for me, Anthony Yard has to take on the winner. I really want to see yep. who the number one is. And if it's Boatsy, that's a fight we've been talking about for the best part of three, four years now. Who is number one, Yard or Boatsy? And Yard's coming off that really good win against Lyndon Arthur. And I think it, you were there ringside for that. I was just behind you, nicking a few of your chocolates yep. and sweets. So I want to see it desperately, Yard versus Boatsy. Yeah, I mean, I think what we haven't talked about today is how we think this fight's going to play out on Saturday night. And and I think um, I think Richards is going to have to press the action mm. to, to get the victory. Because I think Boatsy's one of those guys that warms up into a fight. He's got a very strong jab, a very strong right hand. Um, he can stand with his opponent. I think Richards has got to be um, very smart in this fight and win it with the jab. Long, fast jab. I think he's got longer punches yeah. generally than Joshua. Um, it's a really clever fight. He needs fight. I mean, to start it, fast as well as Richards. I've it, accused it, him yeah, of being a I bit agree. too relaxed. I agree. And, you get, know, get, get the jab out. Mm. Snap the jab out. Get ahead in the early rounds. Because, you know, I think it could go a lot of ways. I think these two could well go into the trenches. And I think the last four rounds are going to be really telling. I think it might be very close at the halfway mark. We could be wrong here, and one of the one of them could completely outbox the other. But I just think that there's so much at stake. They're both really reaching maturity in their careers that 
it's just gonna i don't know just it, the appetite for it i just do not know it could go so many of like five or six different ways this fight and it's hard to call i mean i don't know i haven't heard you say today but i just think Boazzi's gonna nick this um and, and show he He's got a little bit more in those championship rounds. Yeah, I, I've said for a long time, and I know that Boatsy's upset with me when I've said other things, but I've always said I think Boatsy's the, the best light heavyweight in this country. There's just something about him. He's almost a throwback fighter. Doesn't cut his beard off until fight night. He's, he hides away from social media. He doesn't like to give anything away. And then when he comes, he's Mr. Serious. And I think I think he's going to separate himself from Greg Richards in the later rounds. I just think he's just a level above. And that's not digging Richards. I think Richards is a fantastic fighter as well. I just think Boatsy might just be a bit of a special fighter. And I still do think that. And I know some people always criticise me because, oh, what's he done? What's he done? I just think now the training camps with Virgil Hunter, although Virgil Hunter's mind would have been on Tony Yoke on the weekend, but I think all the, all the training camps with Virgil Hunter, hopefully we see a prime Boatsy that's then ready to go to, to genuine world level. So I, I'm with you. I, th- I think I'm picking Boatsy to win this one, but it won't be easy. won't be easy at all. Yeah, like he says, though, he... he... Like he says, he, he knows how to... Yeah, but I like to say, I think he knows how to stay in his own lane. And, and, and that's a great quality. He's got such mental strength. That's what comes out from him so strongly. Mm, indeed. Almost like he's had a conversation with Andre Ward, very similar in the way in yeah. which they think. And it wouldn't be surprising. They haven't, me. though, you know. Have he they not? No, I asked him in that interview whether he's... I think it's a great combination with Virgil Hunter, by the way. Uh, but I no, he hasn't seen Andre Ward at all in this camp. And I was wondering if he had. Interesting. Um, he's just been with Virgil, yeah. yeah. Yeah, interesting. All right, you are listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we're going to give you our very own version of the Pound for Pound list in response to the latest one by The Ring magazine. And everyone, everyone's been doing them. Um, so up next, it's Final Extra, Pound for Pound list. right hand from Canelo and Khan just about not cold. I love a bit of this. I love um, pound for pound rankings just because no one knows what they really mean anymore. Just a bit of fun. Who are the best 10 fighters on the planet? It's not really pound for pound, is it, anymore? Uh, it's Final Extra myself, Adi Oladipo, Gareth A. Davis as well. Uh, Ring Magazine have done their list. They're probably going to need to update it with Jamel Charlo's win on the weekend. I'm going to quickly run through their 1 to 10 and get Gareth's view on it and see if there are any changes we'll make. Number one, Alexander Usyk. Number two, Terence Crawford. Number three, Inoue, rightly so. I think he's fantastic. Number four, Errol Spence. Number five, Juan Francisco Estrada coming off a controversial Eiffel win over Chocolatito. Number six, Canelo drops from number one to number six after a defeat. Uh, number seven, Loma still there. Dimitri Bivol has now entered the top 10. I don't know where he was before. Number nine, Josh Taylor. And number 10, you just heard me mention him, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. Gareth, talk to me. Well, uh, two of those guys there, I don't have in my list, actually, because I think there's two glaring omissions, even though I write a column for the Ring magazine. 
Uh, there's two glaring omissions. And for me, the two guys missing from that list, this is interesting. Addy, are Shaka Stevenson, Ooh. who who should <laughs> definitely be in there after, yeah, after being a two-weight world champion, unified world champion, who will clean up at super featherweight, in my view. Mm. We may even get him facing Joe Cordina if Joe uh, beats Kenichi Ogawa uh, in a couple of weeks' time in Cardiff. Yep. That Valdez victory was an amazing performance. Shaka, two-weight, uh, uh, two-weight division champion, and so unified, undefeated, and Tyson Fury missing from that list as well. Okay. Um, so I am dropping Juan Estrada and Roman Gonzalez from the list. Oh, and, and, by and, and my number, yeah, my number one now is Crawford, right? Yeah. Terence Crawford, three-weight division champion, probably the best welterweight out there. He may get beaten by... Errol Spence and me. I've put Bivol in at 10. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, he does deserve to go in there for, after that amazing performance. 20, you know, of course, as a light heavyweight now. I've got Stevenson at nine. Mm-hmm. I've got Saul Canelo Alves. I'm just dropping him one place to two. Okay. Mm. I've got Usyk at three. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Noyo Inui rightly at four. Mm-hmm. Errol Spence at five. I've got Fury at six for what he's achieved. Um, Josh Taylor at seven and Lomachenko at eight, and as I mentioned, Stevenson at nine and Bivol at ten. What what have you got then? That's where I am with it. That's interesting, and, and I like your list. I do like your list, and I, I will agree with the Shakur Stevenson bit. I have yeah. to be honest with you; he didn't make my list. Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, but I can't disagree. Like he's probably eleven. I, mm. I probably have him at eleven. So mm. I, 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 I with you though, I've got rid of Estrada. Mm. Uh, sorry, apologies. Mm. Not Estrada. Chocolatito. Apologies. Yeah. Chocolatito. But he, those two easily sit in my my eleven, twelve, thirteen. Yeah. Um, Gonzalez and Chocolatito Gonzalez and and Juan Estrada easily in the top fifteen. So they're just behind. Can I ask Even you a if, question about yeah, yeah. the light heavies? Yeah. You've got Bivol yeah. in there, but not Paterbiev. Yeah. Paterbiev, well, sure, two but... weight, two belt holder, double belt holder, unbeaten, yeah, yeah. R- yeah. knocking out everyone. Yeah. Has Bivol done more than him at light heavy to be in there? I, I, at the moment, I think Bivol will outbox him. I really do. I think he'll keep him behind the jab and I think he'll beat him on points. Yeah. I think Paterbiev mm. is a limited kind of boxer. Incredibly tough. But he's fairly one or two dimensional. Whereas I think Bivol has greater dimensions to his game. And I think we're going to see them when he's up against someone like Paterbiev. Of course, if Paterbiev beats Joe Smith, which I think he will. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think we've seen Bivol's moved into that top 10 for that victory over Canelo, just as Canelo's moved down one in my view, because I think if you look at, you know, the imperfections of his performances, we haven't seen really much imperfection from Terence Crawford. So I think he's my number one at the moment. Yeah. Okay, interesting. My number one is Alexander Usyk. He is my number mm-hmm, one. Fair enough. Usyk's fair number enough. one. I've got number two. That's Canelo. I've still got Canelo. That's fair enough. I've two. got Canelo at two. I've yeah. got Canelo at two. Yeah, I feel like yeah. it's unfair. Like, will people? How? How the? Can you have a word of your ring colleagues? How have they dropped him to number six after one defeat like that? I mean, one defeat well, since what twenty thirteen? It's a bit harsh. I know. I know. It is harsh, and he's he's ultimately vastly challenging himself to get up there and have these kind of fights, but they are very tough. It's a bit like there was a time, you know, Josh Taylor was moved from nine to five at one point, wasn't he with, with performances. Should Josh Taylor have dropped down 
after really what we consider a loss. A loss. Jack Cattrall, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you know what's crazy um, about Canelo as well? Time's going, we've got to go now, actually. But what's crazy about Canelo, you mentioned that he is really going way above his weight class. Having been close to him for the first time, like really shoulder to shoulder, I've seen 154 pounders bigger than him. Oh, yeah. Like, I've, I've been yeah. next to Liam Smith. Liam Smith looks bigger than him. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, look, he's, he's, he's five foot eight in his trainers, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they've got a big heel to them, those D&G yeah. fancy, uh, fancy uh, trainers. So I've got yeah. one, two, three. Um, Crawford is number three. Anue number four. I've got mm. Errol Spence, number five. Fair enough. I've got Errol Spence, yeah. number five. <laughs> Loma, number six. Well, fair enough. I love him. I love him. Yeah. I absolutely love yeah. him. Fury, number mm. seven. Good. Yeah. This yeah. this might shock a few people here now. Gennady Golovkin, number eight. Fair enough. Josh Taylor, number nine. Baturbi of number yeah. ten. Yeah, I would. That's. I think that's fair. And you know, the other ones you haven't mentioned there are probably in your ten to fifteen. They are Shakur yeah. Stevenson so, there. Yeah. 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 The Estradas, the the Chocolatitos, they're all in that list. Like you say, it's mythical. It's opinions. It's. You know, and when, what happens is we don't put the heavier weights in enough in the pound for pound list because we tend to we tend to think, God, look what these little guys can do. They're so fast. They can go all these rounds. They can, you know, it, 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 the, the heavier the weight, the less they feature in the pound for pound list. That's just the way it's always been. Very it's quickly, Gareth. Um, yeah. our, our wonderful producer, Jeremy, just shouted out a name to me here. Does he make you a 15, George Cambosos? If he beats Devin Haney, he's definitely in the top 15. So he's out of 15 now, okay. At the yeah. moment, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, no, fair enough. I yeah. think that's fair. But what I, a fight that's going to be. Mate, oh, mate. Honestly, if I could get to Australia for that one, in, in that Marvel Stadium, I would be for that. That's going to be an absolutely barnstormer of a fight. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for downloading our Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're back every single Tuesday for more great content. And if you miss us, make sure you subscribe to Fight Night to catch up on all our other episodes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.